KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. We'll get back to this conversation about Pluto and what uh, one of the chief investigators, co-investigator on the mission, the New Horizons mission, is so excited about what we've discovered about Pluto, starting with the fact that he doesn't want to call it a dwarf planet anymore. It's just too fascinating. It's a planet. And then we're going to dig deep into what's going on with the weather. We've got this uh, heat wave now on the way. And then what looks like a monster of an El Nino, just not not just an El Nino, which we really need in California with the drought, but uh, the Godzilla of El Ninos. And we talked to Bill Patzard, who's their top climatologist. He's the guy who does all the measurements, ocean measurements, and he's the guy who calls it. And he is now telling everybody it's coming. He can't guarantee it 100%, but as close to that as you can get. And it may not all be good news. And you may want to prepare. So we're going to replay that, but also we're going to go deeper now and tell you personally one of the things you can do to get prepared for this because we are going to go from no water to too much water very soon. That's all coming up in this hour. But let's get back to Michael Summers, planetary scientist from George Mason University in Virginia, co-investigator on the New Horizons mission. And oh, I wish we had time to get into the Pluto moon too because that to me is just incredible, that giant pyramid in the middle of it would be the highest mount, one of the highest mountains. It would be the highest mountain in North America. And it looks like it's made of ice or glass or something. Anyway, but Pluto itself said that it's kind of reminiscent of Antarctica because it's very cold and uh, Los Angeles because there's a lot of smog. So, Michael, of all the incredible things you're learning just in the past couple of days, what surprised you the most? Well, um, that was actually a list of things. First of all, a huge glacier of solid nitrogen ice right in the center of the equator, you know, a million cubic kilometers of nitrogen ice. The nitrogen that we breathe in our atmosphere is just frozen solid there. That was one thing. The, the other thing was the incredible diversity of surface features. Some of them appear to be fairly young, geologically speaking. Uh, both Pluto and Charon seem to have young surfaces. Something has happened to those surfaces since they were formed uh, billions of years ago, and we don't know what that is. We don't even know what the energy source is to drive that. And then I guess the, the thing that really hit me uh, and just shocked me was this halo, the haze layer we mentioned. When we look at uh, Pluto from the other side, looking back at Pluto, we see sunlight showing Pluto has like a halo around it. And that halo is this big, thick haze layer, um, which is the atmosphere. I mean, we've never seen the atmosphere of Pluto before. We've, we've talked about it. We have evidence that it's there, but this is the first time we've ever seen it. And as atmosphere scientists, that was pretty a pretty glorious moment. Michael Summers, planetary scientist with George Mason University in Virginia, talking about how we're all being wowed by new horizons and what it's showing us on Pluto. What is uh, what if anything have you seen that tells you something different about the way the solar system functions or the universe or basic scientific knowledge of the planets? Is there anything you go okay? Now we have to rethink something. Well, uh, there, there are a lot of specific things that the outer solar system is not just dead; it's active. If if this body, this thing that we call Pluto is active, then many of the other dwarf ice planets out there are going to be active as well. And so that's interesting. That changes our view of the outer solar system. But to me, the more important thing is is almost a philosophical thing, and that is every time we go to a new place, every time we explore 
we discover things that surprise us, that astonish us. It, it's like the New Horizon team had the, the best experts in the world on Pluto, and yet all of us were stunned, were surprised at what we found. And that happens every time in the space program. Every time we go to a comet, to a planet, to an asteroid, we're just astonished. And I think that's the thing, the lesson that we're learning, is that the universe is just much more complicated than we ever expected. I think in the lifetime of a lot of, let's say, baby boomers, maybe the least surprising thing that we've done with space exploration was the one that was the most exciting, and that is putting human beings on the moon. But the moon was so close that we pretty much knew what to expect, right? We're getting way bigger surprises from Mars and Saturn and now Pluto. Yeah. And, And part of the reason is that, you know, the moon was close. We had a lot of telescopic observations of it. And, you know, we had probes that we had landed to, you know, study it. But but Pluto is so far away, it was just a dim point of light. And we didn't know what to expect except from our studies of that light from Pluto. And it wasn't, wasn't many, wasn't much light. It was a very dim object. So going there was the only way to really see what it was like. And like I said, we were just astonished. Seems like the only way we're smarter is that we now know how dumb we are. Uh, that's the way I feel. Um, when we started getting the pictures coming in, I just, I was just, I, I was just speechless. I don't know what else to, what is to say to explain it, because it wasn't what we expected. Uh, it was a, the haze layer was a thousand times brighter than I expected it. Um, it was just something completely out of the box. I mean, it didn't matter how creative we were in our thinking, how much modeling we did, we were still surprised. Well, thanks for sharing that excitement with us. We appreciate it. My pleasure. There he is, Michael Summers, planetary scientist from George Mason University in Virginia, co-investigator on the New Horizons mission, talking about Pluto. You get the feeling he could have talked longer? I might have been out of questions. I don't think he was out of answers. He's a little excited about this whole thing. I wish I was excited about anything in my life as much as he's excited about planets. No kidding. I'm excited a little bit, though, I have to say, about El Nino, because I'm so sick of hearing about the drought. And I'm so tired of living in a state where the politicians don't have any long-term answers except to not let me get a glass of water at a restaurant until I ask. Like, that's the game changer. Instead of showing some actual leadership. I'm fed up with it. But have you found, though, I've really liked uh, this summer. I am liking this summer. It hasn't been all that hot. Been maybe a little humid. It does seem like ever since they announced we were in a drought, it's rained more than you would expect for the summer. It rained twice. Why do you... That's twice more than we would expect. Yeah, but it's not that big of a deal. Got a deal. fair amount of rain. My grass is almost kind of green. And I've been up in the watering of it, so come on. We could actually get... In San Diego County, could get some rain in the next couple of days. The deserts might even get some rain, because we have another kind of weird weather pattern. We're going to talk about El Nino coming up here in a couple of minutes, but we have a little kind of a temporary situation where there's a weird pattern of weather going on right now, and it's going to end with a... Huge heat wave as we go into the way. We're talking like triple digit in areas, according to the National Weather Service. And uh, valleys and deserts would see temperatures from 100 to 107. Inland coastal areas, 85 to 99. It's all going to be cool. you got these two weird weather systems that are, uh, one is a, a low-pressure system. I'm going to pretend I'm one of those pretty TV we- meteorologists on TV, okay? Can, so imagine being in a short skirt. Standing in front of a blue screen, okay? Really? There's this spinning low-pressure system about 300 miles west of Eureka, and it's pushing out. As you can see here, this high-pressure system, and there's a heat wave that originated in Texas. Now, they're all combining in an unusual rotation 
between 10,000 and 20,000 feet in the air. And they're competing with each other, and that's allowing these monsoonal moistures, you see these originating in the Gulf of Mexico, flowing up from Arizona, and that could bring some slight showers and even thunderstorms to San Diego County and into the deserts through Wednesday. But but don't get excited. It's not going to last. Then we're going to see the heat. Los Angeles and Ventura counties, we are going to be smoking hot. The usual areas where it gets bad, like Woodland Hills and Burbank, right here in Burbank. Oh, man, it's you're going to hate it, what's coming. The real heat is coming. So then uh, what little water you have on your garden is going to totally dry out, and we're going to be back in full drought conditions, and I'm, I'm worried about wildfires, right? All that usual stuff is going to happen. But then El Nino, almost a dead certainty now, but it's getting bigger. By now, we kind of expected it would level off, right? Remember, it was like, will El Nino last into August and give us some much-needed rain this fall and winter? They're not saying that anymore. They're saying, oh, no, August has come. It's still getting hotter. What about the blob, though? Didn't the we blob, hear? The blob, exactly. Yeah. What about the blob? blob? See, but the blob doesn't change the much. The blob could ruin everything. The blob could mean it's too hot in Northern California to get snow in the mountains, and that's our storage but the blob is combining now with El Nino, and the whole Pacific is like a hot bath. Mm. And that's going to mean, well, I don't know, that sounds nice with some, you know, proper bath salts and stuff in there. But no, it's it's really, it's it could mean too much of a good thing. So we're going to talk to Bill Patzard of NASA about that. I mean, really dig into the science of it and figure out what the odds are. And then help you prepare for what's to come, which means more rain than you can deal with, and you don't want your house to get flooded. So we're going to talk about that all coming up. But first, from the KFI Newsroom with an update, here's Libby. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. There were once many people here who could have told of what they saw. Oh, man, now you're scaring me. Is that for one of those old Godzilla trailers? Because there's a prediction that this El Nino, not only is it here, but it could be the Godzilla of El Ninos. Mm -hmm. We're going to help you prepare for that. And there really is stuff you need to do because we could have a a lot of rain coming. We may not be talking about drought much at all in the next couple of months. Uh, Earlier on the show, I talked to Bill Patzard, who is the JPL NASA climatologist, who really is the go-to guy for everybody around the world when it comes to El Ninos. Will there be an El Nino? He measures these satellite temperatures every single day and makes predictions. And when we were talking to Bill a couple of months ago, the question was, there's an El Nino building in the Pacific, but will it last through the fall? Now we're talking about not is it going to last, but how much it's grown. Yeah, this is, uh, Bill, we finally reached the point here. We've been tracking the El Nino since January, and uh, we're in the home stretch. This El Nino at this point is larger and more intense than what we saw in August of 97. And so I'm officially putting everybody on El Nino watch. Well, I'm looking at some pictures here of uh, ocean temperatures, 1997, which was big and caused a lot of ice damage and stuff in the Northeast, a lot of flooding uh, here on the West Coast. And I'm looking at the pictures today. I'm certainly no expert at reading them, but I understand that uh, red is probably hot and green not so hot. There's a lot of red in these 2015 images. Yeah, this is a very, very large area of warm water in the equatorial central and eastern Pacific. It's an area almost four times the size 
the continental United States. And if this continues to lock in, it's going to have a powerful influence not only over North America, but the entire globe. Well, even the Atlantic waters, what little I can see in this shot of the globe, look like they're really warm in the Caribbean and up the East Coast this time of year. But this uh, this El Nino looks like it goes all the way up the West Coast into Alaska. I mean, really? Am I misreading that? No, no. This is a this is a, a really an unusual situation. Uh, we have the warm blob in the Gulf of Alaska. The water off the coast, as every surfer will tell you, is very warm. And in the tropics, it continues to get warmer and warmer. And so uh, this is looking more and more like uh, the El Nino of our generation. Really? So even if it began to cool now, it's probably too late for us not to have an El Nino influence winter? Well, you know, there's no sure things in life, Bill. If this uh, El Nino fades here in the next three to four months, of course, uh, I'll have to go into witness protection because yeah. everybody is really looking forward to some drought relief. This is Bill Patzer, climatologist with NASA's uh, Jet Propulsion Lab. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about the fact that we've got this El Nino, which is this warming water around the equator, but also we had the blob, this other factor that's been sitting out there for a while impacting on weather, and that one may actually uh, impact in a different way, right? The blob may mean... We don't get as much rain in Southern California and maybe no snow or very little snow, which is not what we need for the drought. Are you, is the blob still going to impact on El Nino or is it just too big now? Well, uh, in, in El Nino, the question is, is how far north does all that rain and snowpack go? And of course, we really need it in Northern California, which eventually is where we get our water. But uh, the blob uh, could uh, deliver uh, uh, a drier winter in Northern California, and uh, in contrast with an extremely wet winter in Southern California, and uh, that would really put a damper on drought relief. So a lot of rain, but that rain rushes into the oceans, and we don't we don't store it like you do with with snow. The snow's there well, for months afterwards, and slowly makes its way into the uh, the groundwater and into the rivers and reservoirs, and we need that. Well, in Southern California, whether you have an El Nino or not. 80 to 90 percent of the water is going to end up in the ocean just because of the way we've engineered our rivers. San Gabriel, San Ana, and the Los Angeles rivers, they're not rivers, they're flood control channels. And so we're engineered to move that water not into the groundwater basins, but into the L.A. River and out into the ocean. And we're really dependent on imported water from the Colorado River in northern California. And so, a wasn't lot of very rain, smart in retrospect, was it, Bill? Well, it, it all depends how you look at it. Uh, the uh, the only thing more important in Los Angeles than water is real estate. Right. In 1938, everything for three miles on both sides of the L.A. River was underwater. Same thing in Orange County, and so there was a decision made that we would import water, and uh, that. Uh, we would engineer Los Angeles and Orange County to uh, be flood control rivers. Well, three miles, that's a, that's a long way. Could we be looking at extensive flooding if your forecasts hold true? Well, you know, I'll have to think back to uh, 1998, the winter of 1998, 
where we had 17 inches of rain in February of 1998, and that was floods, mudslides, and just general mayhem. You have to remember, during that El Nino, we were not in a drought, and so the marquee for El Nino was definitely the bad boy, the Godzilla El Nino. Did an awful lot of damage. Yeah, none of this is sounding like good news. It doesn't sound like we're going to get a lot of moisture and a lot of snow. It sounds like it's going to be a warm winter and a really wet one for Southern California, but not in a good way. I mean, I, I don't well, know. Well, a famous guy, uh, actually it was me, once said that great droughts end in great floods. And uh, think back to what happened in Texas a couple of months ago. And so uh, that's what, if you want drought relief, then you have to prepare for the flood. So the flood control channels, the catchment basins, everybody's yard, you know, think ahead a little bit. I guess I, uh, it was a wise decision to tell my wife to call that gutter company before I left the house today. <laughs> yeah, the, I think the, uh, the roofers and the gutter people are doing gangbuster gang business right now. Yeah. I think people are taking this El Nino seriously. Well, they should. Uh, you, you're, you're really a happy guy. A lot of, no wonder you're single, Bill. This is the problem. We're never going to get you connected to anyone when you come around with all this bad news. No, no, no. I'm definitely open to love, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Okay. You're welcome. Have a good day. Bill Patzer, climatologist with NASA's uh, JPL in La Cañada, Flintridge. And he is predicting now we may have the Godzilla El Nino. Let's get an update from the newsroom. From the KFI newsroom, here's Libby. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. So with the possibility of the Godzilla of El Nino's coming. And the uh, head climatologist at JPL NASA saying, we got to start getting ready. Cities have to get ready. Counties have to get ready. Homeowners have to get ready. What does that mean? One of the things you got to do for sure is you got to get those gutters ready. Absolutely. I remember a couple of years ago, because, you know, it never rains in Southern California, but when it rains, it pours. I remember getting a call from uh, home and my wife saying, there's water pouring into the guest house with grandma there, her mom. And uh, my first thought was maybe it'll wash her away and uh, problem solved. But uh, they got out of the towels and I got home and they were just trying to just trying to keep the flooding to a minimum. And so in the pouring rain, I got up in a ladder because I realized the water was flowing down the side of the the building, and the gutter was just not taking any of the water away. So I got up there and I dug out some of it. It was like some of the best-looking soil I've ever seen. It looked very fertile, this soil. And I dug it out, and then the water come, came whooshing down and across the driveway, and the water stopped coming into the house. I mean, it's uh, it's really important to take care of those gutters. I remember when I moved to Southern California, did you think this, Libby, when you moved, like, people don't have gutters on some of the houses? Yeah, it's strange. It's like something's, like, one of those drawings, what's missing? Yeah. Whereas, you know, you get out of your house in Seattle, if you don't want to get soaked walking out the front door, you need something to take the water away from the front away doors. Away from the foundations, the away yeah. from, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, but, I mean, uh, we our house has gutters. They don't all go without. But uh, you quickly realize you live here, you never see rain. So, a couple of days a year, so what? Who cares? Uh, Rich Aston is owner of Out of the Gutter. They're based in Newport Beach. They do installation, cleaning, repair, and homes, commercial sites. So we thought we'd talk to him a little bit about this. How important uh, is it to have gutters and clean gutters, working gutters in your house? Well, it's very important. It's very important for the uh, 
maintenance costs on the home and the damage that the water will cause over years of, of no gutters. So you, you definitely want to protect them with rain gutters. All homes should have rain gutters. It's a good investment. Like I said, it helps lower the annual maintenance cost of the home. And uh, why don't you call them ease troughs like everybody else I knew? You called them that I've never term? heard of that term. No? Yeah, where, where, are you, where are you originally from? Uh, they call them that back home? Yeah, yeah, eaves trough, which is just a way of saying a gutter. Eaves trough, okay. But the one yeah. that goes under the, the roof, as opposed to all the right. pipes that go down and take the water and then go away from, take the water away from the property. I mean, so it's, it's a whole collection of basically these little waterways, right, that you're building around the house to take, because a lot of water comes off the roof in a heavy rain. And water gets in every single every single crack and hole that there is in the house. And uh, you got to protect the fascia, the siding, you know, from paint and stucco, from discoloring. And like you said, you know, it actually flooding into the house because you got to set up your drainage properly around the house so that the water flows out to the streets or the alleyways to keep it from uh, flooding your house as well and, and ruining your foundation. Yeah, that's so important too, right? Important. It's not it's not enough to just take the rain off the roof. You also want to push it away from the house and make sure that it runs downhill away from your home. Absolutely. You don't want it settling in the side of your house. Are you guys getting a lot of calls now with people saying, hey, I want to be ready for the El Nino and the rainy season, or are we still thinking drought? Got to tell you, I've never gotten so many calls over the last three months. Um, it's it's uh, got tons of calls. It, the phone actually won't stop ringing. It's, it's, uh, everybody wants to protect their house. I guess there's a lot of studies coming out and People have been watching a lot of programs on Fox News and CNN and all these different uh, radio programs such as yours, and uh, they're telling them we're going to have we're going to have heavy heavy storms because of the climate and the water temperatures. So you're, we're looking for, yeah, I, I guess it's going to be really really a busy season. So yeah, we're getting tons of calls, and uh, you know we do a lot of installation, cleanings, and repairs. And it's good. Also, another side, it's really a good reason to get your, your gutters maintained annually. Like you said, when you had that flood and you climbed up on the roof and you saw all that mud in there, what's happening is the gutters are pulling away from the fascia board and water's going behind. When it comes down the drip edge behind the rain gutters on the fascia, and it ruins that fascia over a couple seasons, and that stuff's $20, $25 a lineal foot to replace it. So you want to keep that stuff from getting ruined and, and save it over time. So it's important to get them clean and maintained annually. Yeah. And you don't want to be up there in the middle of a storm on a ladder like I was trying to trying to fix it. You want to do it ahead of time. If, if I called you today, at out of this is a Rich Aston, owner of Out of the Gutter, based in Newport Beach. If I called you right now and said, I want you to come and make sure my gutters are all in good working order and cleaned out, uh, how long would it take to get an appointment? Probably take between right now, it would take about 24 hours. We'd, to get an appointment, we'd make an appointment immediately with you, and we'd be out to your house within 24 hours, and we'd give you a free estimate and assessment of what's going on with your rain gutter system or a new system to be installed in right. your house. Right, and when do you think you would have the work done? I'm just wondering if there's a backlog yet. We, we would have the work done within five days. Right. We could have the work done within five days. Yeah. So here's my concern. You get it done now, right? You want to get ahead of time because, you know, if I call you in the fall and the rain's already started, chances are you're going to be really busy. So I want to do it now. Uh, but then you get a lot of leaves coming down in the fall. Even though it's Southern California, we still can get pretty messy in the fall. And then things can get plugged up again. And I'm thinking, I think, well, I got to do it all over again. So when's the right time to do it? Coming into the season, right about now. I mean, right now, I, you know, if you're proactive, you're calling now. Because if you start calling in September and October, 
you're going to have wait time. Wait time is going to be several weeks up to a month before somebody can get out there and address the issues. So you, you want to be proactive. You want to start calling now. And then, uh, yeah, you want to you get it done now. Right. Now is the best time. You want to get them clean before the rain starts. But it's really important that you maintain them over the years. If you install brand-new rain gutters, these rain gutters will last 25 to 35 years if you maintain them like everything else in your life. If you maintain them yearly, these things will last that long without maintenance. They, they, they're, they're ruined in five to 10 years, you know, and people, I go out to houses every week that are the rain gutters. They spent $2,000 on rain gutters and they're already five, six years later, they're already falling apart because they weren't maintained properly. Right. When you guys come out, do you do an assessment too of the landscape and where the house sits so that you can make sure the water goes to the right place? Oh, absolutely. We'll walk with the homeowner, make some suggestions. Usually they have some things in mind. But if we've got some better solutions for them, you know, we'll let them know that I think it would be better to get the water going here instead of there because it gets away from your house and the grade is better at this point or this point. So we try to we try to get the water off the property as best as possible. Well, i got a couple of neighbors I wouldn't mind, you know, flooding their property if you uh... – Okay, just send, send me your address. We'll take care of that for you. I'm wondering if you could take some of the water off the roof and put it in the pool so I don't have to spend money – filling up the pool all the time. It seems like water goes everywhere when it really rains, except in my swimming pool. I don't know what that's about. You know what's really big now that everybody's doing is the rain harvesting. They're harvesting the rain for their gardens and things like that because now that they have restrictions in L.A. and Orange County, uh, people are doing a lot of rain barrels right now next to their home gardens so they can water their plants throughout the year and they continue to fill up from the rainwater that's coming off the roof. Yeah, and you can, probably store, you can probably store a fair amount of water during this El Nino that will take you a little bit into the spring and summer when the rain stops. Absolutely. Yeah. All Absolutely. right, good to catch up with you, Rich. I appreciate this. Yeah. All right. Yeah, check out my company, Out of the Gutter, on Yelp. Yelp, go to Yelp. You can see our reviews there. They're strong, and uh, we'd be willing to help you. Just give us a call. We'll give you a free estimate. And thanks for your time. All right. Rich Aston, owner right. of Out of the Gutter, based in Newport Beach. One of the ways you can get ready for this El Nino season, because it really does look like drought is the last thing that's going to be on our minds once we get into the fall and winter around here. So that's the good news. The bad news is uh, it doesn't always come nice and slow, easy rain for six months that just soaks into the land. No, no. It's going to come in big storms, and it's going to come into your house if you're not ready for it, and that's not good. And if I lived on a hill, especially a fire area, I mean, you got to make sure that hill is prepared and... Uh, there, there are probably people in areas where they're thinking sandbags. I'm a little bit on a hill, but I'm hoping not. I'm going to have to talk to some of the neighbors about the history of our neighborhood. And do they ever get any mud where we are? And it's, are there any areas that are prone to flooding? And The people that lived in your house before are probably just buried under the yard in mud. Yeah, but when you buy the house, it's probably the last thing they tell you. You know, Every 10 years, there's going to be an El Nino. And really, count on $25,000 in damage, and you're going to have to move out for a month. Just a little That's, mudslide. It's not something people... Tend to tell you, don't worry about that mud over here by the garage. I don't know where that came from. That had nothing to do with the last flood. But. All right. Uh, did you know Sesame Street is moving? Yeah, they're moving the whole street. We'll tell you where it's going coming up. But first, from the KFI newsroom with an update, here's Libby. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Oh, the television world just keeps changing. Even Sesame Street's moving. Sesame Street is going to HBO. First run will be on HBO for the next five seasons. But can you tell me how to get there? Not anymore. How to I honestly get can't. If you don't have Sesame HBO, 
You can't get there How to get to Sesame Street. Oh, you can sing too, Brian. That's nice. <laughs> Handsome. He's a double threat. <laughs> right. Handsome and he can sing. I know. You two are How so good looking. I'm thinking Sesame one Street. of these things just doesn't belong here. One of these things just What's that vampire one? Remember? Count Chocula? Count Ch- <laughs> Just the count. He was just the just count. Just the count, right. One, two, three. There you go. I was four. in a movie once where a guy laughed just like the count. He was like, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. <laughs> real. Like, that was his real laugh. That sounds like something you could do at the Iowa State Fair we were doing earlier. It's, it got underway today, and, you know, all the politicians stop there, and they do their soapbox, and that they do that again. There should be uh, a Count Dracula shouting contest. A count-off. A count-off. <laughs> I would win. Uh, we dug out more because we loved the hog calling so much because we just thought it just so tied into the whole political aspect of it, right? Because they do these soapboxes and presidential candidates get up there and they right in front of the, a live audience, very old school. And we were thinking, well, how do they how do they let them know it's their time? Hey, pick, 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 pick. And we tied it together. That's... Well, Donald Trump is not a pig at the uh, no, he's not. He's got his own money. But we found uh, another contestant in the hog calling. <laughs> He's got some good snorting. Man, you think that guy snores? He needs one of those masks. You Sounds wear like the night. hog is being murdered. Doesn't now, sound good. My heritage being Scottish, we're very fond of the sheep, as you know. I always like to say the first 10,000 are the hardest when you're learning to shear sheep, and that's just about true. You know, after 10,000, then you can kind of qualify yourself as a shearer. You're no sheep shearer until you sheared at least 10,000 sheep. There you go. That's all you need to know. And my still my favorite is the husband calling contest. Ah! Rob! Why Mark is single. <laughs> I'd never tire of that. Oh man, I'd go hungry. It doesn't even sound like a woman. <laughs> well, it sounds just like a shrieking creature. We're not sure exactly what it is. What's coming up on Thompson Espinosa? Well, a big story. Very big story involving an ex president. And his love child. Whoa. Yes. Yes. Whoa. The results are in. I can't tip them on the Big Thompson are Espinosa show. DNA I will reveal. Tests? It is uh, quasi-live. It's only uh, like a century old. Is Maury stopping uh, by? <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact. As a matter of fact. <laughs> also, homework and fifth graders. Are they overtaxed? Hey, my kid's going into fifth grade this year. Exactly. This is, a, I, I would say... A can't-miss segment is what I would say for you on this one. You know what my guess is going to be? They are. I think there's way too much homework now. And homework means what? Work you have to do, not that the kid has to do. Well, now that there's Common Core, you really can't because mm. you have no clue what it is you're doing. <laughs> right? You're well. just looking at it going, whoa. It's, uh, there's a reason they do that show, though. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Because it really is the stuff you've forgotten. It starts yeah. to get complicated Already in yeah, fifth, fifth grade. grade is already getting into the. I'm like, the weeds. how did I ever get past fifth grade in retrospect? Mm. No idea. So it's a lot of show, Bill. We got to get it started. Thank you. So much show, really. A lot of show coming up next. Bill Carroll, KFI AM 640.